Welcome to KC Corner, episode 106. It's been quite a morning. It's been quite a morning, but it, you know what? Uh, a new morning, it's a Thursday. Yes. And we typically do this on a Wednesday, mm-hmm. but we had a very good reason why not doing it on a Wednesday. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was in the barn for the Tampa Bay Lightning game on Tuesday night, so now, I ended up staying over there. Those of you who have yet to pick up hockey, I don't know what's happening, but <laughs> being in the barn means that Brooks was over at the game, mm-hmm. very important game yep. against a very good team, the Carolina uh, Hurricanes. Hurricanes. Yep. So, uh, OT big winner. Win, big win. Stamkos ending it, so it was, it was a great game. So here we are on Thursday morning. Those of you who could didn't wait. You're wondering what happened to Casey Corner this week. Here we are. Thanks for waiting. Oh yeah, a little and bit of technical difficulty this morning, but we got it ironed out. Brooks is he's supposed to be the tech guy, and I'm just totally dropping the ball on the technology. I this think morning. it was more my internet than your technology. <laughs> so uh, I think it was a bad connection up here, but yeah. no problem. Well, we we can get jump right back in uh, on the second take here because I messed up on the first one. Um, and continuing on with our sermon series, Journey to the Cross, and the exclamation point this past week. Well, you know, as we look to the reality of this journey to the cross. That was Jesus's journey his whole life. I mean, even before time began, uh, the father and son knew that there had to be uh, an accomplishment of redemption and that would cost Jesus's life. So here's one who's born to die and he does so many amazing things, but we know that at the crux, at the epicenter of who Jesus is and what he has done on earth is going to be his saving work Uh, on Calvary, and it's going to be the empty tomb that's going to just be the exclamation point, obviously, of his entire ministry. But for him to be able to say, okay, I'm going to set my face toward Jerusalem. I'm going to accomplish mission on. Here we go. Game Mm -hmm. on. This is the playoff, so to speak. This is the most important thing that I have, have done. You had to have that identifying marker where you are the Christ. That was the turning point we saw a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And right on the heels of that, so here you have one of his disciples proclaiming that Jesus, of all the things that people think that you are, the reality is that you are the Messiah. And then to have the exclamation point right on the heels of that, you have the father who can't contain his joy and love for his son anymore. He's got a he's got a boom from heaven that, hey, by the way, this is my son. This is the chosen one. You got to listen to him. And so in this incredible scene, we see an unveiling of the glory of Jesus. I mean, it's his whole ministry has been veiled by flesh. I mean, here he is, God in the flesh. But people didn't recognize him because the flesh did such a good job of covering up the glory. Mm-hmm. And then here's Peter, James, and John. The curtain gets removed. They're like, whoa, there's this glory that, you know, it's incredible dazzling, as we've talked about, of of who he is. And a revealing of his mission that, hey, there's an exodus. There, there you have... Uh, Moses, uh, the lawgiver, and Elijah talking to Jesus about what he's about to accomplish. And that's an exodus. That's He's going to mm-hmm. set us free from sin, and he's going to set us free from death. And it's just amazing and see his identity. And I, again, uh, Brooks, what I really meant to say is not only do we get the exclamation point that this is God's unique son, the only begotten son, but we got to listen to him. He is the one who really interprets the law. I mean, Moses did give us a law, but as the servant, this is the son who is filled with grace and truth. This Mm -hmm. is the son who will kind of tweak the law for us. Hey, you've heard it said, but I tell you, but he's the one who's fulfilled the law for Mm -hmm. us. And it's so beautiful. And he's the one that all the prophets turn to. So I love the fact that listen to him. It's not like Peter thought, hey, let's build three tabernacles. Let's have one for Moses, one for Elijah, one for Jesus. Let's have the big three on stage. 
Um, and there was no slapping, go, by the way, on stage. <laughs> and uh, But I had the big three on stage. But but the father's like, no, 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 no. There's not the big three here. There's one. There's this this one and only. It's Jesus, my be- only begotten, my beloved. And that he's the one that you're supposed to listen to. Yeah, Peter was doing Peter things. He had just oh. said that you are the Christ, you are the Messiah, you are the one. And then he was trying to put him on like the, the same level as Moses and Elijah, like the big three, like you were saying. Yeah. And just he was started babbling, which was really funny. I, I just it just cracks me up because he's kind of got that personality that he wouldn't be comfortable with silence. You know? No, he's trying, no, he, he's he, got to fill it. You yes, know? exactly. He doesn't know what the heck he's talking. Nervous about. laughter, like exactly. The whole thing. Serious nervous laughter. <laughs> And he even says, hey, it's good that we're here. And he, I don't even know he knows that. You know, I think he's kind of terrified. He's like, oh, it's good that we're here. <laughs> you know, and uh, <laughs> uh, and I, it says interesting. I didn't mention this, Brooks, but it says that in, in Luke's gospel that, that it looked like Moses and Elijah were departing. And mm-hmm. it looked like there was a sense where Peter was trying to hold on to him. You know, let's, let's keep them here. You know, let's not let them disappear back into history. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're not the point. They were the ones who just pointed to Jesus. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's it's such what, what an exclamation point. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was so, so beautiful. And the, for the unveiling of Jesus' glory, how it's described differently in different gospels. So one said that his face shone. Others said that his clothes were like light. Others said that his clothes were the whitest white that they've ever yeah. seen. And just the different de- descriptions yeah. of them. You know, and I guess, you know, here we are trying to add words to it. And I, I love the fact that you've got Mark's perspective, you have Matthew's perspective, Luke's perspective, you know, one's a Jew, one's a Gentile, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really, really interesting to, to see. Um, and by the way, none of them were there, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's all been relayed to them. So, mm-hmm. And then uh, I thought the interesting part, too, talking about fulfilling the law, how it seemed like, you know, Ten Commandments were very black and white, like, do not murder, do not commit adultery. And mm-hmm. Sermon on the Mount, it talks about, like, don't even hate. Like, you already have hate in your heart. You already broke yeah. that law. And really how broken and describes how broken we are. You know, when God gave us the law, uh, one of the uses of the law, uh, theologians will rightly point out, is to drive us to a Messiah. <laughs> you know, you should look at the law and realize, oh, crud, I broke it. And, mm-hmm. and I'm in trouble in a holy God's eyes. Um, yet they were becoming arrogant. Oh, I, I haven't killed anybody. You know, and so I, oh, I, I have a ton of hate in my heart. I have a ton of bitterness in my heart, but I haven't, I haven't crossed the threshold of killing, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like somebody who says, well, I haven't committed adultery that spends all day on the pornography, uh, you know, and porn on the internet. It's like, you know, Hey, I haven't crossed the line physically, but mentally I'm a mess. So Jesus, I love it. He, he's, he doesn't lower the bar. He raises the bar because mm-hmm. they started feeling arrogant, like, oh, we got it. We got 10, you know, we got it covered. We're, we're okay. We don't need a savior. And that's not what the law was supposed to do. And the law was when the Holy Spirit's active in your life, it breaks your heart and you mm-hmm. realize, man, I, I even love the Lord, my God, with all my heart, soul, mind, strength yet, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and, and you said it, he fulfills the law, but not only that, he absorbs the law's curse. And so when you hear that, like, I can't even come close to following all of this, yeah. and I've never even followed it once in my life, but him being able to absorb that for us is the important part. That's incredible, isn't it? Because uh, there's there's both sides of that. There's two sides of that coin that he perfectly fulfills. It's, uh, hey, the requirements a holy God would have for his people in the law uh, mm-hmm. that Jesus came and fulfilled, but for breaking it, he steps in our place. So, uh, 
man, Yahoo Jesus on both sides. You know, oh, yeah. one, he's our big brother who did what we couldn't do. And secondly, he's our big brother who took our punishment. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, we're the one who deserves it. And yet he's the one that says, ground me, you know, you know, I- I'll bear it. And uh, yeah, such, such good stuff. This can lead into next week, but you kind of ended with the veiling of the disciples' understanding. So they couldn't understand. They didn't understand. Yeah. They were afraid. You know, they were like Peter P and Peter saying mm-hmm. the wrong thing. And, you know, uh, it's it's really interesting, Brooks, as we've do- looked at this a little bit closer. As soon as Peter says, you are the Christ, it seems like Jesus not only sets his face toward Jerusalem, but he also starts to saying, okay, guys, let's unveil the mystery I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be denied, betrayed. You know, I, I'm going to be, I'm going to suffer many things. I'm going to be crucified. And he says, by the way, you're going to have to deny yourself and follow me. So he's basically saying, this is what's coming. This is what's happening to me. And if you really want to get it, here's what you got to do. And what instead will they do? They start arguing <laughs> over things like who's the greatest. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I think about that as I'm getting ready for what I hope to say is you know, there's a time where you tell somebody some urgent news like, hey, a hurricane is coming. There's there's there, it's, it's it's 20 miles away. It's you know, we are in uh, ground zero. It's going to come our way. And someone says instead of preparing their house, you know, they, they go out and they do the most ridiculous thing. And, and it's a uh, it's there is some storm brewing and it's going to go through a cross and they're arguing, hey, uh, who's going to be the greatest, you know, and uh completely missed this uh, hey deny yourself here they are promoting themselves mm-hmm. and uh, and there's a bunch of we're gonna look at it's gonna be a little bit of a longer passage as far as what else happens in Luke 9 but clearly Jesus is focused in and his disciples are are meandering <laughs> and clueless and you know I appreciate that because uh, how often am I meandering and clueless? Mm-hmm. We're getting close to Easter Sunday. That's for yeah. sure. Closing in on it. Yeah, which is exciting. Oh, yeah. Good good stuff. Well, we can continue on with our book, Gentle and Lowly. Um, kind of cover chapter 15 and 16. Chapter 15 being his natural work and his strange work. Um, talking about how his natural work is to have mercy, to love us. He's not provoked to mercy. He's provoked to anger. That's his strange work and kind yeah. of out of his comfort zone. If I you think will. a big word there is provoked, mm-hmm. you know, and... Uh, Again, the gentle and lowly has been unpacking who Jesus is, is as he describes his, in his own words of his heart. These last next two chapters really more about the Old Testament. And you're exactly right. I, I love that is that naturally what flows out of him is going to be mercy and, and, and compassion. Uh, but he will be provoked because he is a holy God. And, mm-hmm. you know, what is more natural to God? And I, don't you think that most people think that what's most natural to God would be anger? I mean, mm-hmm. isn't it interesting to think that that's the... Uh, the reality, but no, it's, and I love how it kind of couples the Old Testament and the New Testament with these things together. And I know we talked about in our KC group, especially if you read the Old Testament, you think like, oh, this is like a grumpy old guy. He gets yeah, exactly. pissed all the time and exactly. everything. <laughs> exactly. And I know in the book, I like this uh, short part of it. When he exercises acts of justice, it is for a higher end. It is not simply for the thing itself. There is always something in his heart against it. But when he comes to show mercy, to manifest that it is his nature and disposition, it is said that he does it with his whole heart. There is nothing at all in him that is against it. The act itself pleases him for itself. There is no reluctance in him. So he's not reluctant to have any mercy. That's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. That's so beautiful. You know, uh, one of our our leaders um, told me that they struggle a bit more with this, Mm -hmm. you know, because, you know, you don't. You want to see that there's a, a reluctancy uh, of God, you know. I mean, it's it's like uh, 
But he, he says throughout scripture, listen, I take no delight in the death of the wicked. It says in the book of Ezekiel, like three or four times, you mm-hmm. know, and his delight is showing mercy, but he is a God who will definitely is a God that will show wrath when needed. Um, but even as we go to the next chapter, uh, when it, when it talked about the Lord, Lord, when it said, Hey, in this passage in Exodus, when God describes who he is, what comes up is you know, merciful uh, and I'm gracious. Mm-hmm. You know, this is who how I want to try. I, how how that beautifully connects to gentle and lowly. This is, and throughout the Old Testament, that is repeated over and over and over again. And it also goes on to say, "Hey, I I show uh, abounding and steadfast love and faithfulness." And those words are always connected together. This beautiful covenant language, but. It is a God who says, I am merciful. I am, I am gracious. Mm-hmm. I am slow to anger. I have a long fuse. It says, yeah, I have a long nose. You mm-hmm. know, it's kind of, I'm not going to get my nose bent out of shape easily, you know? Um, and he goes, I'm going I'm to bless thousands of generations, but there is going to be some effects for a few generations of sin. So mm-hmm. the, the difference between the thousands of generations being blessed with graciousness and mercy and um, Again, I, I don't know if I can parse all of that, but I loved, of all the things, I love the fact that this shows clearly that there is one God, and he is a God who is gracious and merciful. He is a God who is gentle and lowly, that Christ's heart reflects the Father's heart, that there isn't two um, gods here, uh, God of the Old Testament, a God of the New Testament, or God who's an angry father and a, and a kind son. This is the heart of God uh, mm-hmm. throughout, flowing throughout. Yep, and I like that talking about it, his love and mercy goes to a thousand generations. And I liked how it said, like, it doesn't mean on the a thousand first that his mercy runs out. He's saying, like, that's how long it goes on forever. Yes. And I don't know if this is kind of what he was talking about, where sin is passed down to the third and fourth generations. But I think about, you know, of a dad who has short, short tempered. So his kids yeah. might be short tempered sure. and like the, that little short period, you know, those are short tempered Robinsons or whoever they are, <laughs> yeah. but his, you know, mercy extends to the thousandth generation yeah. and those short like sins that are passed down, you know, from father to son, he covers all those. And then all the sons that keep going after that. Amen, brother. And I, I do think that there are a reality that some things get passed down. You know, mm-hmm. they, they say that, uh, kids who are abused have a tendency to be abusers. You mm-hmm. know, they, they say that there is a, if that's the environment that you were reared in, um, it's it's hard not to repeat that. And, uh, but man, God's grace that it covers that and beyond mm-hmm. is amazing. I like to, in Exodus, when uh, Moses asked, please show me your glory. And God responded, I will make all my goodness pass before you. Like yeah. that's what makes him glorious. Yeah. You think, you know, it talks about like you would think it's his greatness or glory, yeah. you know, whatever that means to you, but it's yeah. really, you know, his how goodness. good he is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, that was so good. I, I, I agree with you. It's interesting how he responds. I'll let me see my goodness. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's what I want to show you. That's 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 good stuff. I don't want to show you just how powerful or how wrathful or whatever. I'll show you my goodness. Yeah. And thank God, Brooks. I think if God were different, if he wanted to show us his wrath first, we would be toast. We would never know the goodness. Oh, yeah. When you think of glory, you probably think of just like a king looking over his kingdom and yeah. being much higher than anyone, doesn't mm-hmm. want to talk to any of the civilians or anything like that. But yeah. he explicitly says, I, I regard myself with the lowly. I, I Don't you love that? I oh, regard yeah. myself with the lowly. It's mm-hmm. right out of the Psalms, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, yes, he's high and holy, but I, I have great regard for the lowly. It's beautiful mm-hmm. stuff.
Well, that's all I got on the book this week. That was great. I mean, you, you nailed it, by the up. way. You nailed it. Um, hey, again, the biggest thing coming up is, I don't know if you know this, but this is, uh, we're heading toward Easter. We're heading toward Holy oh, Week, yeah. which is exciting stuff. So uh, this week, believe it or not, we're going to be in April. Uh, wow. So mm-hmm. uh, we're going to have communion this Sunday. Really looking forward to it. Uh, the 10th is going to be Palm Sunday. We got a little special celebration with the children uh, oh, for yeah. that. and. Can't wait for our Maundy Thursday service. We got something really special planned for that. Uh, that's a Thursday of Holy Week, Thursday the 14th or something like that. Yeah, sounds good. And uh, yeah, it sounds good. 7 p.m. And then Easter Sunday. Wow, we're going to have a, a, a day packed with uh, activities and worship and sunrise it, service and breakfast and Easter egg hunts, breakfast, everything. Exactly. And, you know, you always want to make sure that what gets emphasized is the victory. The tomb was empty, you know, mm-hmm. resurrecting life that he has, life has been resurrected and life and life fully. What was lost in the garden has been restored mm-hmm. at the cross in the empty tomb. So, yeah, that's big. Um, jump into those things and, um, yeah, a lot of activity. So, a lot, lot coming up, that's for sure. Jump up. on in. Jump on in. Love it. All right, Brooks, Thursday morning edition. Thursday morning. We got it in the books. We're out. We'll see you guys Sunday. All right, blessings, everybody.